Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. How well are we teaching high school students about consent? The question follows the disturbing comments made on Facebook by Wellington College students and the protests by hundreds of high school students against a perceived rape culture in schools. As part of their punishment, the two boys in question will undertake education about consent and healthy relationships. Russell Smith helped start Mates and Dates, one such high school program aiming to teach young people about the need to have relationships based on respect, negotiation and consent. I asked Russell if the sorts of comments now in the news, like if you don't take advantage of a drunk girl, you're not a true WC boy, are often seen in social media these days. Well, they're, they're, they're quite common through even conversations that young people are having uh, between each other in the schools and that, and also through media, um, social media, but more importantly, it's some of the lyrics that they get from video and audio music, um, you know, um, and rap music and things like that and the like. So, yeah, it's quite common. Um, you know, uh, there's a common term, you know, they use the word rape quite often, uh, like oh, rape, a, rape a pie, meaning they're hungry and things like that. So, But in, in, in the context of um, rape culture and with young people, it's these types of conversations, while they not, might not be worded the same, as those young people in Wellington, um, certainly that would be a moderate end of what some of the young people are exposed to and what they're talking about. So even if it's the moderate end, and even if it is bravado, this still has to be addressed? Yeah, absolutely. Bravado is only part of it, and it's a very small part of it, because a lot of young people are exposed to this type of context and text um, and messaging like that, but not all of them actually go and act on it. Now, one of the things that I challenged um, while I in college about was to, these boys actually need some, do need some serious help, because while young people might think about it, young people might talk about it, acting on it is another, is another level again. And so, you know, we can't blame peer pressure. We can't blame bravado. Uh, some of these behaviours are a bit more, bit more deeper than that, I would say. Mates and Dates talks about having healthy relationships based on respect, negotiation and consent. How do you get these messages across to young people? Well, they've done... Mates and Dates was a development between Tornest, uh, Sexual Violence Sector, and ACC. And we piloted it um, back in 2013, began conversations with ACC about putting these primary prevention uh, messages in. So what we did is we collected a massive amount um, of um, up-to-date information around how we pass messages like this to um, young people and children, and we condensed it down, and it's got condensed down to five lessons. So it's basically you're looking at five lessons over, you know, 45 to 50 minutes long, which is the same as a school period. And each lesson addresses different behaviours, different attitudes. Like one lesson might be, might talk about advertising and what messages does it send to our yet? What messages do our young people get from that? And then there's another one around consent, you know, which has been talked about a lot. But there's a lot more to it than just consent. It's around behavioural modification, you know, understanding, understanding what consent is, but understand how to behave in a healthy and respectful way. 
What about the tone, Russell? Because I was thinking about the drink driving ads and how different attempts have been made over the years, sometimes humour, sometimes very straight, sometimes shock value, to try and get the message through, not just to young people, but they do seem to be a difficult um, age group to get a message across. Well, some of the messages that they're getting are unhealthy messages through um, social media, and so they they actually are learning something. So, what we're doing was we're applying a similar principle around you know one rep, so the same message, um, fifty different ways. Uh, that's one way of doing it. Say and and also um, saying over a period of time. So with mates and dates and rape prevention education uh, messages, we would do it over a period of years as opposed to just a one-off. Um, and like you know the cup of tea um, consent video. That's a great one. There are three. It's posted at three levels. There's one that's aimed at um, young children, um, younger than 10, and then there are ones that are aimed for, you know, high school, school age children. There's one for older adults or young adults, I should say. And so, yeah, it's 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 an intimate topic, and that's why it needs, it needs addressing in a healthy, intimate way. And so that's why we encourage when we go into schools that, that the teachers get involved with the classes because they learn something and also where we can have the parents involved. Um, yeah, so it's done over a period of five sessions with um, different age groups. But each session is targeted each at each year. Say what we're teaching to year nine, uh, a year nine lesson doesn't look the same as a year 13 lesson because of the age group and their development, um, whether at in a developmental stage. Are you able to assess of the group being spoken to as part of this, any who perhaps clearly aren't taking in the message and there may be some concern over them, or is this a a program that's delivered en masse and then it's perhaps up to the the teachers to keep the message going? Well, what we're doing is uh, ACC and and us as facilitators continue to uh, review and to get feedback from the students and the Teachers, so that's one way we're doing it, and it's it's been quite successful. How do the how do we know that the children's are get, children are getting it? Well, we we might not know in that moment, but some of the examples we have is we may have a student from the week before who um, maybe you know some of them sit there and they're drawing and we're they're not even paying attention to the message. Now there are a number of reasons why they might not be paying to the, attention to the message. Might be the the, the topic when you're raising. Um, issues of consent, you're talking about some harm that may or may or could occur. So for some of the young people, we don't assume that when we go into a classroom that these young people haven't been affected by um, sexual violence because we know by the stats that one in three females um, has experienced unwanted sexual touch before the age of 16. So if we consider that, go into a class of 30, we know that quite a, quite a number of them have been affected, not like 10 of them would have been if we use that sort of measure. And so the conversations that we have with them are healthy um, and we've got to do, because we've got to re- rebut some of the messages that they're getting from things like Robin Thicke's music video and others like him who talk about sex and submission of females and rape culture and the way that people should behave. So that's some of the things that we try to rebut. So 
if there's a concern about what we're teaching, they need to, people need to look at what they're listening, what our children are listening to, just through radio, through Facebook, and all of that. So yeah, mates and dates identifies inappropriate behaviour. Could you give us some examples of what that might be? Because I'm sure it goes from perhaps the more subtle, if that's the right word, through to the extreme. Look, sometimes, like, for example, when you look into the bystander video that Mates and Dates is using, there are a number of interventions that a person could uh, intercede or inter, you know, could intercept the particular behaviour, like, um, you know, a friend that's going out with another friend and they're out drinking to keep an eye on each other, to look after each other. But yet there, there is also another bystander, the person who's serving the drinks, which is the bartender. And then, you know, when we do hospitality responsibility, host responsibility. So it's it's like teaching each person around what their responsibility is and what things they can observe. Like if someone's been drinking too much and just to make sure that they're safe. Um, also some of the behaviours of young people um, and some of the conversations that they might be having. Like if, say for example, some of the private conversations that might go on amongst um, young people and intersecting there, like, for example, some of the language they might use uh, is quite misogynistic, like the um, view of this young person who put it up on Facebook. So challenging that in the moment is a way of changing that behaviour. So those are the behaviours we're looking for. Doesn't You don't have to have the, the top-end behaviour. I mean, it's quite obvious where someone's trying to harm someone, but we're looking for the subtle behaviours and teaching them how to look for that. When you're suggesting about intervention, safe intervention, yes, and giving hints on that, that's quite difficult too because you have that whole uh, snitching thing happening, don't you? The potential for that. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal for a young person to perhaps report the behaviour or even intervene in, in some way. It's really difficult. However, what we have found when we've done some education in the classroom has been actually the opposite. The, the class, one class that we went into over a period of four or five weeks, um, some of the students were observing behaviour of other students that hadn't they that they knew within the school but hadn't had the education. So what they did is they because they had a safe conversation around behaviour and they'd been able to observe it, they actually did go and mention it. They Firstly, they brought it back to us. Then we took it up with the school counsellor and the principal. And so they were able to address it. So, And that's because the whole class was being educated on it, not just one or two. And so that sort of debunked some of that snitching stuff. People want to stay safe. Young people want to be safe, you know. Um, and some children are surprised that they can actually say no when people ask them for you know, to be to be touched in a particular way. So, um, because the common, because um, the mass media says this is how you should behave. So what we have is we have media conditioning and grooming our children and in an unhealthy way. Um, so those are some of the things that we find with young people. And we've also had young people have had disclosures given to them because they've talked about what they've t- spoken about in class and in a in a session, and another student has disclosed, and they've taken them to the school counsellor. So those are the sorts of positives. As far as the snitching goes, um, haven't heard it, haven't haven't heard heard of that happening yet. Of course, there are some concerns, but I think they're doing it together. They're not doing it on their own. 
Could you give some advice for parents? Because you mentioned before the, the programme that you're doing, working with schools, but it can't all be on the shoulders of schools. Parents have to be involved in this too. So can you give parents listening some signs to look out for, either that their children uh, may be involved in this kind of, uh, of behaviour, comments being made on Facebook, that sort of thing, they may be worried. And then also perhaps if parents are worried that their children might be on the receiving end of these kind of comments. It's really difficult. Um, one of the, I mean, I was doing an assessment yesterday where a young person, she couldn't talk to her father or her mother about some of the issues that she was she was going through. And we were talking as a family, not as individuals, by the way. And so one of the things that, um, we talk to people about is parents firstly making space to have conversations, just simple day to day conversations. Like, for example, once a week, I believe that parents need to, and what, what we know has worked with caregivers and parents, is once a week just sitting down with the, their, their children. And, you know, I've done this with five year olds right through to 18 year olds, and asking the simple question what went well for you today? What didn't go so well, you know, just or, or something like that. And they might only talk it within that five minutes, but you can't expect these conversations to come out um, randomly if you're not creating an environment for them to occur. So what we're, what we're encouraging parents and caregivers to do is take a moment every week at the same time. It only takes five minutes and, you know, and young people will talk. You know, some of them are resistant to it, but when they get the hang of it and each person takes responsibility for each meeting every week, and after a while, it's the conversations that happen outside of there because they've opened up the space for them to actually talk. They might not necessarily bring it into that meeting or into that space where they're having that conversation, but what it does, it creates a, a dialogue where they can talk. Like, for example, uh, I may, I've had an example where I've been doing the dishes and the young person's come up, you know, when I was a caregiver and saying, hey, uncle, you know, these are some of the things that I'm really struggling with, um, this boy who's been pushing me around. That, that might not come out... Um, if it hadn't had the context for it to grow and nurture that. So there's no fast answer to this. But some of the behaviours is isolation, when young people are isolating, um, looking at what they're watching on Facebook and YouTube and other uh, mediums of uh, media, um, and also looking at the appropriateness. I mean, NetSafe have got some great um, articles and great information on ways of managing uh, internet use and that, and there are some a number of um, apps and that that they, they they're aware of that could help minimise that. So, creating the conversation with young people is one of the things that we need to start doing. Um, young people will will quite often talk to friends, or other family, or even you know um, people talk to me because I'm their uncle. You know, my my children are less likely to talk to me about things like that because it's a really awkward topic. Children are exposed, of course, to uh, pornography potentially on the yes. internet, that kind of thing. How potentially dangerous is that? Does that normalise sexualised behaviour that, let's be honest, you and you and I, when we were growing up, would not have had any exposure to, hopefully? Well, yeah. I mean, this is something that we've been talking about recently because I work in the harmful sexual behaviour sector, so I'm working with the people who do the harm. So the experience and expertise that I bring is around what young people are doing in 
in their behaviours and adults too, while I work with adults around some of their grooming behaviours and that. So, but you see, historically, back in, say, let's go back 20 years before Facebook and that, um, people had to do put a bit more effort into grooming behaviour because they didn't have social media doing it, they didn't have Facebook telling young people how to behave and that. Today, we have young people being groomed by social media and by media and by pornography, and it doesn't take a lot to cross that boundary into harmful sexual behaviour. So while we're going into schools and we're talking about people who uh, may get, maybe get, maybe being harmed, we're also looking for behaviours where young people are doing some harmful sexual behaviour. Um, and we're talking to those groups too. And so when, when I'm standing in front of a class, I don't assume that people in there have may have been just may have been victims or survivors of sexual abuse or sexual harm. I'm also assuming that there are young people in that class that are actually practicing harmful sexual behaviour. We've been concentrating on the boys, but I wanted to raise the issue of the fact that there are going to be girls, young women out there who also are capable of, particularly in the social media um, realm, creating um, painful behaviour and and acting inappropriately. And uh, is there a danger of people assuming that boys potentially bad, girls potentially victims? Well, that's one of the, yeah, I I mean, yeah, that's, that's a huge topic, that topic alone but what we know is is that 85 to 90 percent of of harmful sexual behavior is done by boys on or by met by males on women and children and that includes boys so yeah there is an assumption that uh, girls uh, when we talk about harmful sexual behavior or sexual abuse we're talking about uh, males as perpetrators and girls and girls and women as um, survivors or victims and so it's a it's not it's um what we know yes there are young girls out there that are are t- 16 messages and responding so they're engaging in that that harmful sexual behavior so we've worked with girls who have had harmful sexual behavior but also rem- remembering that they are like boys they are informed by the by the context that, the, that they are in which is same to the boys but they develop differently, and that's that's one of the differences between um, a girl and prepubescent and pubescent, and boys and prepubescent and pubescent. So, yeah, it's a real minefield. You know, just young people alone, they have to navigate their way through living through the teenage years. And, uh, uh, you know, if we go anything like my teenage years, it was like a nightmare. So you add alcohol, media, pornography to either, it doesn't matter whether you're a boy or a girl, it's the it's a minefield for our young people. When you start adding all these other mixes, you've got a, a dangerous cocktail, which um, you know some of it leads to suicide. Well, yes, the implications later on are, are huge. If this can be nipped in the bud, there are all kinds of uh, potential upsides for us later on in a country where we have far too much domestic violence and violence in general. Yes, that's right. I mean, if we can begin at the front end, you know, and get young people thinking differently, we're not going to stop media or we're not going to stop Facebook or anything like that or even like some of the games that young these young people are watching and playing. You've got Grand Theft Auto 5 where you can rape and shoot a, shoot a person 
uh, in the in the games, and that's only one game of many. We can't change what our people are looking at, our young people are looking at, but we can change the way they look at it and give them ways of making healthy choices and making different decisions for themselves. And that, and one of the things about education to young people is that, like one time we did a consent, and they it was a it was. Um, it was new to them that they could say no, um, because media says they've got to say yes when they when they're asked to have sex, they're they're, they're conditioned to say yes. So we're we're trying to undo some of that un- reconditioning of those young people, but um, we can't. You know, it's not just social media. It's not just um, that it shouldn't be left to the education department. You're right. We need parents to get involved with these programs to come along. It would be great if we had their parents in the in the classroom at the same time that we're doing the class because they can take those things that we're teaching to the young people back out into their community and they can understand some of the difficulties and dangers. Because while we are teaching the children, the parents haven't got that same exposure and they have no idea what they're talking about. And some, you know, so what we need is a whole school approach and a whole community approach around this. We need billboards, we need education and, you know, when we consider the cost of sexual violence on our society, um, Shirley Ehrlich uh, some years ago put out the cost of sexual violence on, on New Zealand was about $6 billion when you consider loss of potential. You consider... Um, you know, the cost of the health system, you consider prison sentences, you consider the justice system. So when you multiply all those costs, it's billions of dollars. So if we can put a small fund on the front end to where schools can have this type of education mandatory, we can save billions down track. Russell Smith from Mates and Dates. Lots of feedback coming in along the same line. Some of them, good point, but how do we stop girls getting drunk? And passing out. Thank you for your feedback. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 